Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Binge. My name is Mo, I'm a registered dietitian and behavioral change specialist. And in every episode, I do my best to bring you closer to a life free of binge eating so you can live your best life physically, mentally, and emotionally and not worry about binging and all the problems it brings into your life. And today, we're going to be talking about enablers. If you struggle with binge eating, you know how frustrating it must be to have enablers in your life. Um, as if it's hard enough struggling with losing control of your actions on your own. Um, enablers are people in our life who either make it easier for us to binge or straight up trigger us to binge. I personally struggled with enablers big time and found it very frustrating when I found myself at ground zero again after doing my best for a while to stop a certain behavior. I've experienced this both in my binging and my smoking addiction. Um, when you're in the middle of a binging storm or like an addiction and you're just kind of like binging away every day regardless of what's going around you enablers don't really matter then because you kind of triggered anyways you have that daily habit or a few times a week habit going on and enablers kind of like take a little bit of a backseat they just kind of become part of it um so they just almost like kind of like it's like actually like they're like the cherry on top so they just reinforce the behavior that you're stuck in but not really focus on them then as much as you're kind of focused on getting out of that storm it is when you're actively trying to stop binging or quit an addiction that enablers truly shine. So it's like basically you're climbing a ladder and an enabler comes out of nowhere with their behavior, words, or attitude and literally shakes that ladder from underneath you, causing you to fall. So enablers can be total strangers, family members, friends, or even co-workers. Um, and as a matter of fact, many people, the majority of people I've worked with have struggled with enabler, enablers and um, as strangers, family members, friends, and even co-workers. The most difficult type of enablers are the ones who you can't seem to get away from. So they can be co-workers you see daily or you have to interact with, or they can be loved ones that you live with, family members that are in your life every day. And even when trying to establish boundaries, it might cause a huge uproar because some enablers don't understand boundaries and they feel like you're trying to change them or reject them. So it becomes very difficult to even engage in that conversation with them. And this can cause a lot of stress uh, and the thought of it can just kind of like, you know, might deter you from even mustering up the courage to talk about the boundaries because just talking about it seems like it's just going to, you know, go nowhere and just going to bring a whole other different fight and stress that comes with it. But having enablers in your life doesn't have to be a bad thing. So we can actually reframe it to actually work in our favor. And I know it sounds crazy, but bear with me here. Uh, I'm going to share with you uh, three personal stories um, I'm sure you're going to be able to relate to and let you in on what was happening in my mind so you can see what needs to happen for you to regain control and render ena enablers uh, uh, in your life powerless because this is ultimately the most important one is that we need to uh, make sure that they have no power over our actions anymore. With enablers, we we feel like we lose our, our um, control and we lose our power because somebody else is literally affecting what you're doing. And with binging, somebody else's actions or words or behavior is causing you to put things in your body you don't want to be putting. So that's why it can feel super, super powerless. And it seems like they have all the power. The ultimate twinning is when we remove that power from them and we gain that power. But first, we must understand what goes on internally within us so that we can understand what needs to be done for that to happen. So let me share these three stories. The first story I have to share is 
the story of the, uh, the first time I moved to Canada at the age of 19, I believe. I was coming from Egypt. I had just uh, transferred universities and I was moving um, to, from Egypt to Canada. I had just come here, hadn't known anybody at all, um, had just left my entire family, everybody that I loved back home, no friends at all over here and had two huge bags that I was dragging along and made my way to the apartment building that we managed to get um, um, at least going in through a friend of mine. And as soon as I entered the building, I asked for the building manager and the building manager asked me, where's your tenant insurance? And I had just come from a country that, does, that I wasn't even paying my own rent or understand anything that was going on. So I was like, I don't know what tenant insurance is. I just came here. I just want my keys. She's like, if you don't have tenant insurance, I can't give you your keys. And I was like, well, I have no idea what to do. I just, this is like, I've never been here before. And where am I going to go? She's like, I don't really care no no keys uh no tenant insurance no keys and she's like and to add on top of that she was like kind of like being smug about it and just kind of like you know talking we talking me down big time and actually being angry uh with me which i wasn't really sure why uh, i mean she wasn't the one who was going to be sleeping outdoors so um to add on top of that she's like well it's friday and actually this monday is the long weekend um so you won't be able to get an insurance before tuesday so sorry I ended up walking away that day, dragging my two huge bags behind me, uh, crying really hard because I felt super rejected and not welcome. And I uh, finally mustered the just like some strength and found like a motel online where I just checked in and immediately thought about food, found the KFC next to me and ordered a huge meal that I finished and down and felt disgusted after. So I had like a huge binge that day. And I remember these feelings still from that day because I felt super alone, super unwelcome, and it was like a horrible start. Um, and that is a story of how a stranger can be an enabler. Is that person I never met in my life before put me in a situation where I felt like I lost control over my eating and my and my habits. Um, so. What this woman triggered in my mind, actually, let's let's take a look underneath the hood a little bit. And before actually I go on further, I just want to say that this that uh, that my journey in Canada started on the wrong foot for me personally, but it has not been nothing but amazing. And I've made a lot of friends here. I feel feel very very welcome over here. Um, Canadians are among the nicest people I've ever met in my life, and I have a family here now. And um, it is a success story. So I please don't feel bad for me and think that Canadians are horrible people at all. So. Let's look at what happened to me um, in that moment right now. So what this woman, I think, happened, like what woman triggered uh, in my mind was a belief that I'm not welcome, not accepted. So it's actually internal. Like th she she was there just being herself um, and whatever if, if capacity that is in, in being herself, if it's uh, negative or, or positive, whatever it is, obviously it was being it was negative to me at the time. But she was there just acting the normal way she acts. And that triggered, happened to trigger a belief in me. And that belief was that I'm not welcome and not to be accepted. Um, the belief is painful. So when it surfaces, it causes an overwhelming amount of pain. So when it surfaced in my head, being somewhere completely new, out of my comfort zone, already in pain because I had left my family and loved ones behind. And all of a sudden something gets triggered inside me that says, you know what? Yes, you're not welcome here. That causes a lot of pain. And as a rule, the brain moves away from pain and seeks pleasure. And so no wonder uh, I, I, I know I was triggered to binge at the time because binging food was the only thing that was familiar to me at the time. It brought pleasure to me. And the fe feeling of being alone and not welcome brought a lot of pain. And there was no way to escape it because it was it's, it's what felt like was the reality then. 
Now, the question is, was it true? Is it really true that I was now welcome there? And the truth is, of course not, absolutely not. One person does not speak for the rest of the country, uh, but it is how you feel at the moment that causes you to act in that way. And that is uh, uh, that happens often as I hear stories of people who, um, st- who end up binging because a stranger said something negative to them or um, they got, got rejected from a job interview or... Um, somebody made a remark at them, anything like that, or somebody even gave them like a bad look and they understood that, and they thought that maybe they're looking at them because of uh, because potentially like they noticed something about them that they don't like. But in reality, this person could be giving you a, neg- a bad look because they just constipated when they were looking at you. So you never really know, right? So many, many uh, times enablers can be strangers. Now let's look at the second story uh, with a coworker. Something that I experienced uh, over here is when I was completing one of my internships as a dietitian, and that was like six years ago. And I was like, "It's going becoming a dietitian is a process. You have to do dietetic school, so that's like four years, and then you got to do a year of internships." Uh, split into three different internships and they're unpaid and then you gotta take a license exam and so during one of my internships uh, i had a supervisor that was very very difficult Uh, she lacked total empathy in her treatment and i was a student then not even getting paid to work full-time jobs so that was like enough on its own plus working like full-time this one day um Myself and another intern were working hard from 8 a.m. And at 3 p.m. we drove with our supervisor and had to interview a farm owner as part of a study we were helping with. So we sat through the interview, which took a couple hours, and then got back to the office late at 5 p.m. Already like an hour past past the time we were supposed to leave, which is 4. As we were about to leave, our supervisor realized she never pressed the record button on the recorder and so missed the entire interview. In a panic mode, she asked us both to stay uh, until 7 p.m. that day to recall what the interview was about and to write down as much as possible from our immediate memory. So she freaked out that we would not be able to uh, bring out that, like, you know, um, uh, actually have the interview again we, because that was like a one-time thing. And she didn't want to wait another day because she was like, well, we're going to forget it. So we stayed that day to 7 p.m. to think about it. And we were both hungry and exhausted. Uh, we weren't offered to go, go get any food or anything like that, but we're also super scared to ask for a break or to go get some food because our future was technically in the hands of our supervisor and nobody wanted to do something that could, uh, you know, make her think that we uh, are, you know, just not worthy of getting a good grade. So it was just typical student behavior. We were young and afraid. Um, what was even more difficult was when she took out her snack box to eat and didn't offer uh, any of us anything at all. So she was eating in front of us and didn't offer any of us any, any of us anything at all. I was exhausted and starving that day and ended up uh, biking home and picking up a whole cheesecake on the way home and finishing it that night because I was super hungry, super exhausted, and um, I didn't uh, feel like uh, you know the work I was putting in was appreciated. And obviously after that binge, I felt super disgusted because finishing a whole cheesecake on your own can be very, very difficult on your stomach. When I look back, I realized that this supervisor literally like had a, had a problem. Uh, she, she, she didn't know how to emphasize and would often say socially inappropriate things and it had nothing to do with me whatsoever or the other intern. But still, when you're overly consumed by negative thoughts and beliefs about yourself, it decreases your awareness about others and your judgment. And so that's what it put me at a point. It put me at a point where I felt that potentially, um, you know, like how, how come she didn't offer us anything or a break or anything like that? Maybe she thinks that we're just like students and who are we? Uh, to even like you know be doing this and there's just like a lot of negative uh internal talk going at the time 
I have countless stories when it comes to co-workers. Uh, another quick one is I've had another supervisor who constantly called me dipshit and gave me uh, very long chores that had nothing to do with being a dietitian. Um, she had a grudge against me from day one and, and to this day I don't honestly don't know why um, and after a, a long day of work I would go home and smoke to help relieve the stress um, I was trying to actually quit smoking at the time and simply couldn't because the stress caused the work was overwhelming um, and I, I literally could sense the negative energy every time she looked or talked to me and for the record uh, this is just my experience many of the dietitians out there the supervisors uh, I've had amazing supervisors throughout my uh, uh, my internships um, it's just that I I came across two who potentially um, didn't really uh, match with me and we just kind of like didn't have similar um, beliefs and expectations and how one should treat each other and that's okay and and and, and even if it was personal um, at the end of the day no one truly can't know if it's personal because it's not like you've seen the other person um, act with everybody else and yes you obviously could have when it's with family members but when it comes to people you work with or strangers it's very difficult to know if it's personal or not now let's dive in the third to the third story i have to share and this time it's with a family member so i've shared a story right now with a stranger and a co-worker and now i'm going to go into a family member and this can get difficult because I'm about to talk about loved ones and I want to share first that uh, I love my family to death and while we all go through tough times with family underneath it all there's only love and it is our ability to accept each other and access this love that can help heal all pain this is really important every family argues and fights and struggles to accept each other but it's our ability to see eye to eye on certain things and agree to disagree and accept each other unconditionally is what can allow us to access that love and heal all pain between family members anyways this one time, uh, I think it was like seven, eight years ago. This one time, uh, my mother calls me up and says, you know, she's buying me clothes and wanted my T-shirt size. Um, and she's like, what's your T-shirt size? I was like, I said, it's a medium because I had lost weight and anticipated continue to lose weight. So she said medium. And I was like, yeah. She's like, no, I'll get you an X large or large. I was like, no, I'm a medium. So she replied, I, I know you're going to gain the weight back anyway, so just going to buy your large. So I was insanely furious that day and ended up eating a lot of junk, junk food because of how furious I was. At first, I want to say that my mother is one of the most important people in my life. And the reason why I'm successful, actually, uh, she has helped me in ways beyond my imagination. But sometimes she says things without really thinking about it and all funness about it. And she's a very confident woman, so potentially she didn't think that it would affect me. And that's okay. It's who she is. I accept her for that. Um, and the past, though, it was hard to accept when I was busy being triggered and experiencing the pain I felt from some of the things that she said. But the truth is, it causes pain because potentially deep inside, I believed what she was saying and that belief surfaced. So potentially when she said that you're going to gain it again, maybe internally deep inside, I actually believed that I would be gaining that weight again. And that bothered me that somebody else agreed with me because then that says, see, that belief that you have is true. Others believe it too. And that can be painful to have. It surfaces up and causes that pain and reactivity, which then causes, causes you to want to escape that pain. And again, binging is one of the ways, uh, one of the pleasuring ways that we know that we, that, that we tend to just go and gravitate towards every time we're going towards pain and discomfort. Other enabling behaviors from family members is when you're living with them, they know you're trying to lose weight, for example, yet they continuously bring in junk food or make comments about what you're eating or things like, aren't you on a diet or why are you eating this or you don't look like you're, you're losing weight. Are you sure it's working or you need to eat more? You're starving yourself. 
the list is endless. I've heard it all, honestly. Like, I can just spend a long time spending on what family members can say. And sometimes it seems like family members can be very cruel. Uh, I know that because they know you. And the thing is with family members that they know your buttons as well. They know how to push them to get a reaction from you. And when they're reacting, they try to get you to react too. So some are also just like potentially testing you out and some could be jealous of your success or discipline. Some could be worried if you succeed, then they would have to start to truly think about doing something about their own situation or goals. The list of motives is uh, truly endless there. And, and some of these enablers aren't even aware of their own motives. So imagine somebody having a motive as to why they're uh, uh, triggering you or saying things that uh, could potentially trigger you uh, but they're not even aware of the motives or they don't really truly mean to trigger you they're just kind of simply acting out unconsciously like they always have that's just their way of communicating in the, in the family and they just don't know any any better potentially they also uh, if it's parents or grandparents potentially they were communicated with like this with their own parents and it's just passed on and passed on and passed on until somebody says enough no I, I this is potentially um, not serving me or people around me and change until then it's up to them whether they uh, want to do something about it or not and this is why a family member could seem so sweet to your friends, but to you, they possess the ability to turn into a nightmare. Uh, trust me, yeah, I'm aware of this and many are aware of this as well. But here's the truth. Let's now, let's take a step back and look at the truth, the real bare truth. The one thing common between all enablers is you, not them, but it's you. So it is the one thing that is common between all enablers. And stick with me for a bit because I'm going to share with you something that could potentially serve you right now. When we start looking at enablers differently, we can start to regain our power and control back and then render them powerless because the reality is they are powerless until you decide to give them that power. Now, let's look at two situations. First is where people have a say over how you act, all right? So let's say the situation one is people have a say over how you act. So they cause you to uh, binge because of their actions and their words and their behaviors. And the second is where people have no say or control over how you act. So whatever they say, you're still doing you and it doesn't really matter what they say. Which sounds more empowering to you? So I hope you said the second. The second one, of course, is more empowering because you have that ability to make decisions on your own and when somebody is controlling your actions it is disempowering when, to, when we start blaming others for what we are doing then we're basically saying we have no control of our actions so uh, the first one also feels a lot like victim mode so when 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 others uh, have a control over what we're doing or, or or acting it feels a lot like victim mode and victims have no control over their actions so it's, it's a reality they're waiting for someone to rescue them uh, they're waiting for a superhero to come by and just rescue them. In real life, this superhero rarely comes to save us. The victim is likely to remain a victim. But we must realize that the superhero can come if we call out on them to rise from the inside. So we're, we're both capable of being victim and superhero alike. And be, we can be whichever we put our focus on. The question is, which one serves you better, being a victim or a superhero? And the answer is, of course, everybody wants to be their own superhero. This is easier said than done, but it all starts with a mental shift. Everything started changing for me when I looked at enablers as an opportunity in my life. An opportunity where the universe is trying to tell me, hey, there's something inside of you that isn't serving you that is worth looking into. Whether it's, it's a belief or a, a mindset or a, a consistent uh, a network of thoughts that keeps rising up, triggering each other, but there's something inside of you that isn't serving you that is worth looking into. 
With that building manager, when I first came to Canada, it was the universe's way of showing me that I still have a belief that I'm not accepted in this society or accepted in general, even though she certainly didn't know anything about me and didn't know that maybe I was even coming from a, uh, a different uh, country and it wasn't personal at all. Potentially, she was just having a bad day. And, and actually, I discovered later that the building was filled with students who were constantly owning the fire alarm uh, the whole two weeks of, of, of uh, orientation and she was potentially having a good a, a sick and tired of it and actually later on we, we we got on good terms I realized she was a sweet woman but she just short fused a little bit and that's just who she is it's okay with my supervisors it was my belief that I was not good enough to be a dietitian it wasn't their belief that I wouldn't be a good dietitian they simply just had poor social skills um, I just realized also that uh, that uh, one of them had poor social skills and the other potentially uh, just didn't like her job or was just kind of going through something and that's okay and with my mother it was my belief that I am not good enough to achieve success it wasn't that she didn't believe I couldn't be successful she certainly did she's one of my biggest supporters but she simply noticed patterns of me yo-yoing with my weight for years and just was being logical when she was buying something without thinking too much about how it would affect me. Again, it's just how, how she was. She was just kind of like, you know, she just says, says things logically as they are without really giving it too much thought. And it's okay. She realizes actually it's something that could be a bit of a weakness sometimes, but it was me who was letting it affect me. So my question is, what are the enablers in your life triggering? What belief within you are, are they triggering? So there's beliefs within you that they're triggering. Once you can realize and work on removing it, your enablers will have zero power when it comes to your actions. No power whatsoever once you remove the limiting dysfunctional beliefs within you that are being triggered and causing you to act in this way and causing you all that pain. So you can either uh, decide to remove yourself from that environment from there that point from after you remove your uh, you remove these negative beliefs that are causing you to be triggered you can from that point decide to either remove yourself from the environment if the enablers around you are being abusive just simply too abusive and being evil towards you or you can simply accept them for who they are and focus on their good attributes which is highly recommended if they're family members because with family members it is um they are by far the easiest to trigger you because they know your buttons. But for most family members out there, the vast majority is they have excellent characteristics and they actually love you. They just, this is just how, um, how it is with family. So every time, right, right now, every time I react, uh, I stop and I tell myself, okay, there's still something that needs to be worked on. What is it? What's the belief or story behind this reaction being caused right now? How can I change it? Because I guarantee you, whatever negative, dysfunctional belief or story you're telling yourself, it's not true and you have the power to change it. I've experienced this actually more than any other time in my recent uh, marriage as I realized that sometimes I would react and because, you know, my wife would say something or, or you know, do something and I would cause me to react and then I, I would stop and be like, this is this has to do with me like this is like this not nothing to do with her it's not something to do with me this this whatever she whatever she was doing caused me to react in a way that must mean there is something that is still there that is not serving me that i need to address so you need to ask yourself these questions and bring it to light and do something to shed that belief and replace it with strong empowering beliefs that can serve you in the long term and this is exactly what we work hard on in our program beyond the binge and um and how and how do we know we're successful by the way well this is again where enablers come in and this is where we can reframe it to be uh, to for reframe enablers to be a good component of our life because when their behavior attitude or actions persist 
but it's no longer affecting your actions, then you know you've finally succeeded. And it is a very liberating and beautiful feeling. So enablers can actually be a test to you, like almost like an ongoing test or thermometer to test to see if what you're doing is working and removing these beliefs within you, these negative beliefs that are not serving you. And taking that shifting around is truly a, a very powerful feeling because you've taken a negative and turned into a positive and the process you've changed your the way you see things you've changed things about you and if they're family members they will notice that and that will inspire them to do something about it and this is when you can be the beginning of uh, the end for a certain behavior that could be passed on through generations by family members so I hope this has helped you. I hope this episode has helped you understand more what enablers are, how to approach uh, your reactions towards it so you can regain your power again. Um, if this is something that you're struggling with and you want to work on, then I invite you to um, uh, uh, apply for my program, Beyond the Binge, which is again right now 25% off during the pandemic. And in it, we do all the work we need to do to remove negative beliefs, negative dysfunctional beliefs, and the negative story we tell ourselves that cause us to react uh, as a result of what people say. So I hope this has been helpful. If you have any questions or any stories you have about enablers, please share them with me in the comments below. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.